This is the Fearless Presentations Podcast, the fastest, easiest way to reduce public speaking fear. Want to absolutely eliminate public speaking fear? This podcast is the answer. Here's the guy who literally wrote the book on Fearless Presentations, Doug Stannard. Welcome to the Fearless Presentations podcast. This is podcast number five, and we've got a lot to cover today. This is a really exciting podcast. Uh, First, we have a really cool tech find that you're going to absolutely love. And then secondly, I've got an interview with Mike Veda. He is the founder of Presentable You, and he's going to cover seven what he calls silver bullets or silver bullet points to make your your, um, slides worth seeing. So there's a lot of stuff on PowerPoint, but they can be used in a lot of other different types of visual aids as well. So, So great tips. So let's get moving with today's Tech Find. So the tech find this week is a company called Mimeo, M-I-M-E-O.com, and uh, this is a digital printing company. And the neat thing about this particular digital printing company is that they're based in uh, Memphis, and so they're or wherever FedEx is. So basically, they can FedEx stuff to you as long as you order it by like nine o'clock at night. You can actually get it uh, the next day by 8 o'clock in the morning. So it's pretty phenomenal kind of stuff. Very, very, very fast turturound and pretty reasonably priced. Now, um, where so how does digital printing kind of get involved with, with public speaking and presentations? Well, anytime you have a handout or some kind of lead behind, Mimeo is a great place to kind of print that because all you really need is a PDF of that, just some kind of document that you've made. You can upload that PDF to their website and it gives you a really graphical interpretation of what's that, what that's going to look like. So if you need something bound in a three ring binder or in a comb binder, or you want a cover put on it or any of that kind of stuff, you just kind of click that as a selection and it shows you exactly what it's going to look like digitally in a 3d kind of image. So it makes it look really nice. And, and I've got to say that when I get the, the Mimeo packages, they look pretty much exactly like that that uh, that that 3D image that's created uh, that I ordered the day before. So very very effective. Um, the, these guys have really you know saved me a, a lot of trouble over the years because, like I said, they are so fast. As long as you order it, you know, fairly um, even fairly late at night, you can get it the next morning if you need it. Um, obviously, you're going to pay a much higher FedEx fee if you do that. So if you have some some time, in, uh, some some uh, if you're able to order ahead, you're going to get a, uh, a lot of times you can get free shipping and stuff like that. But I've used these guys, I, I think I started using these folks all over a decade ago. So back when digital printing was really first starting out. And so they were really kind of the trendsetter in the, in the industry. And so they've, they've had a, a lot of years to really, really uh, become experts at, at this kind of stuff. Um, in addition to doing stuff for your presentations, they can also do, you know, brochures or handouts or posters or, or, you know, ads or anything like that. So if you're doing, um, and in fact, for a long time, we at our company, we at the Leaders Institute, uh, used them to send out our, our proposals. We actually would would um, it, when folks would request information from us, they were they were our logistics people. They were we would basically um, upload our proposals to Mimeo and then have them FedExed over to the potential client by the next day. And and uh, that's pretty impressive uh, to be able to kind of do that. A lot of times when that proposal shows up on the on the uh, desk of the 
prospect within less than 24 hours. It's, it's kind of impressive. So, um, so you can do a lot of really good stuff with the, uh, with the Mimeo, um, application on the website. Uh, and it's, uh, and it's real convenient, real easy to use. So hopefully you'll get some really good results out of that. So Doug, who is today's special guest? All right, so our special guest today is Mike Veda. Mike is a global communications consultant, and he's actually the creator of Presentable You, which he's going to talk about a little bit in in, uh, in the next few minutes. Um, and basically, that's an online school teaching presenters the fastest way to create and give effective presentations. He's worked with presenters and done presentations all over the world for since 1985. And, uh, and actually, one of the classes on Presentable You, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to get him on the, the podcast, is called PowerPoint, How to Make Slides Worth Seeing. So that's probably one of the biggest challenges that people find in, in today's business world anyway, is creating those good PowerPoint slideshows and all that kind of stuff. So, so um, the most interesting thing about Mike is that he's had a, he says anyway, he's had a codependent relationship with PowerPoint for decades, uh, you know, but things are a lot healthier now. So welcome, Mike. Yeah. Well, thanks, Doug. It's great to be here. And uh, before we begin, folks, uh, remember that there's a da- you can download the free PDF that Mike's kind of provided for us. He gave us a few notes, and you can download that from the podcast notes. And he's actually going to give you a link uh, that that you can kind of get this to as well. So um, if you go to the podcast, go to fearlesspresentations.com/slash/podcast. Five, podcast five that'll get you all the show notes and uh, basically all the free stuff that mike's going to talk about a little later on so 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 mike tell us about um you basically you in the introduction i kind of talked a little bit about the codependent relationship that you have with powerpoint and since you've been doing this since 1985 you've seen basically all of the you know i'm, I'm assuming that you probably started with uh with overhead projectors and that kind of stuff so you've probably seen a lot that have come around, come about in the last uh 20 plus years or so. So what kind of things uh, have you seen and how did that kind of create more of a codependent relationship with you and PowerPoint over the years? Well, you're right. I've been working in this field since uh, the mid 80s. I've been working with PowerPoint since the early 90s, I think when it first came out and, uh, you know, creating presentations and coaching presenters and producing conferences. And here's the thing. We know it's popular. I don't know. I think it's like 95 percent of all the presentations are in PowerPoint. But the unknown little secret might be why it's so popular. Back in the day, Microsoft started bundling it with Word and Excel. So basically, if a company wanted to buy Word and Excel, they would just get PowerPoint too. So almost by default, they took over the market. Now, back in the day, there were some really good presentation programs, things like Compel and Freelance Graphics and so forth, that were actually better than PowerPoint. They just got squeezed out. So... From the beginning, I've never really had, let's say, a real close relationship with PowerPoint and because I was just frustrated. I didn't really think it was really presenter-friendly as software. Yeah. Hey, well, tell us about your background a little bit. But the yeah, thing I'm is, sorry, but let's kind of back up a little bit. Tell us about you know, your background. How did you get into the speaking business, and why did, you, why did you want to kind of start teaching people how to do this better? Well, I started off, as, as you said, back in the 80s, creating some of the first digital presentations in Manhattan as a consultant. I was still in college mm-hmm. at the time. So I've really kind of grown up with this industry. And as I said, with PowerPoint, I had to use it because all my clients were using it. 
And so I just had to work on, you know, if I'm going to keep doing this with them, I want to find the fastest way to use this program to create effective presentations. So that's what I did. Over the years, I would just find more and more shortcuts, more and more tips to basically save time and save my clients time. And and I'm assuming that's where the PowerPoint course kind of came from. So Yeah, you know, I, I feel their pain. I feel presenters' pain. And I just realized this has been working with my clients for quite a few years. And I teach it live. Why don't we go ahead and make a, a really good online version of this to make it available for, for everybody? And that's where the course got started from. Yeah, and, and I think maybe sometime in the near future, we might have you come back and kind of tell us a little bit about the process that you went through to to create the online courses because uh, Mike's online courses are really good. He's he's taken a lot of time to create some really powerful things that actually get results online, and there's not a whole lot of speakers out there that, that have done that. A lot of people have really good content, but they haven't really taken the time to really develop their online version of their content and Mike's really done that and in fact I, I think I'm assuming anyway Mike you get a lot of your clients that that actually come on and do your online course and then hire you to come out as a coach or a consultant I'm assuming that happens more than the opposite nowadays right you know it's interesting I, it kind of goes both ways but you're right about about online learning everyone wants to do it but I think it's like 13 percent of courses are actually finished. Right. I think you know people kind of get into that digital hoarding hoarding mode where they'll they'll buy a course, but then they find out it really isn't that useful, and um, they just sit there, wasted money. I've worked sure. really hard to make this just as effective as as a class live, but at your own at your own pace and time. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, not many people have been able to do that. Um, now, one of the things that I kind of noticed when I was uh, when I was going through your program was that you focus a lot on the creating a presentation with just three keys, which is very similar. Um, for those of you who have been on the podcast for the last couple of weeks, you know we, we started out by showing people how to design a presentation. And, how, and when we design a presentation, you want to design it with just a few key bullet points. So, so tell us about your creating a presentation with just three keys. Uh, tell us about that trick and how that works well with PowerPoint too. Well, that, that goes back to this idea of you know PowerPoint is a bit dysfunctional where it wants you to do things a certain way like everyone's seen it you open it up and it says click here to start typing that's really what you don't want to do especially when you're starting a presentation you want to start and keep yourself at the macro level not dive into the slide level yet so that's why as I'm working with presenters I tell them to use something called the outline view which is might be the best kept secret the PowerPoint has it's the place, the best place to go to create your presentation outlines. Huh. And then as I was working with that, I realized there's no need to keep going back to your mouths over and over and over again. You can just keep your hands on the keyboard, and with just three keys, you can zip, zip through your outline and have it done in a matter of minutes as opposed to much, much longer. So actually, you know, I've been doing PowerPoint for years, but you're, you're saying there's a special view mode called called uh, outline where basically it just gives you the outline of everything that's in your presentation is that what it is or kind of how does that work yeah actually it didn't have it i think in the first or second versions but it finally got smart and put that in and that's where i recommend people start actually let me back up i recommend people start their powerpoint presentation outside of powerpoint which actually doug if you wouldn't mind we can look at the bullet points right that's that's the first bullet point which is start your powerpoint presentation without powerpoint in other words, get a piece of paper and a pencil Correct, or yeah. op- op- open up a, a, a word processor and just create your, your outline there. 
and then you can very easily take that into PowerPoint in outline view. Nice. Yeah. In fact, that's one of the things that we've taught for years with in in designing presentations is that that a lot of people start with their PowerPoint slideshow, and that's one of the biggest mistakes that that you know we kind of we've kind of found. I'm assuming you've had similar kind of thing, right? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and um, so we, if we, we, yeah, if we, if you use PowerPoint as a visual aid for your presentation, not the actual presentation itself, it it tends to make the whole presentation writing a little bit easier. So, um, so okay, so you're saying so. So bullet point number one then is to start outside of PowerPoint. Start designing your presentation first, then kind of pull that uh, pull that content that you've created into your PowerPoint slideshow as a visual aid uh, at a at a later time, right? So yeah, that's so, correct. So as they're kind of starting, um, I'm assuming, yeah, I'm, I'm assuming you've got, uh, uh, there's, you've seen a lot of mistakes. In fact, I think, you know, years ago, we just jokingly, we created a, a, a PowerPoint slideshow with just about every mistake that every PowerPoint, every person creating PowerPoint has probably ever made. And, and we kind of used it as a joke in, in classes and online and stuff like that for a while. So what, so if you had to narrow down the, the big PowerPoint mistakes that people make, what are some of the biggest or what's the number one biggest anyway? So. Yeah, good, good question, man. We, we could talk for hours as I'm sure you know about the mistakes. But you know what? I would say the number one thing that people make the mistake on and if you're okay with this, let me just jump down to number four. We'll come back and do two and three, but this is really the number one mistake yeah. that people make. And that is that number, number four on the, on the handout says multitasking is a mess. Multitasking is a mess. And you probably know this, but in the past few years, there's a bunch of studies coming out that say we really can't multitask. We just do things sequentially really, really fast. Right. But every time we change something, there's a bit of a lag. And that's true with pre- with presentations too. Audiences can't multitask. They either can read your slides or they can listen to you. They cannot do both at the same time. And the bad news is sure. the bad news is the screen's a lot bigger than you, so they're always going to read first. So you have to think about PowerPoint as as support, right. speaker support, not to replace you. And I think that we as presenters have gotten so dependent on PowerPoint, we forget we're the experts here. We know this content, and we want to use PowerPoint kind of like a like a partner. I mentioned relationship early on here in our in our call, you know, as a partner, like a duet. And so think about a triangle where you have you and you have your PowerPoint on, on the screen, and you have the audience looking at you. And so you work together. First, they look at the slide, they see the the gist of what you want to say, then they look to you. And then you give them the content. Then they look back to the slide, and there's this nice, if it works well, this nice duet between you and PowerPoint. Just don't talk at the same time. One of the things that that, um, we focus on in our in-person classes is we focus on getting people really good at designing their presentation first, and then... And then once they get really good at delivering the presentation, then we let them throw in some some visual aids. And I think that's one of the things that you're talking about here is that a lot of times folks will will focus so much on the PowerPoint slideshow that they forget that there's communication between them and the audience as well, right? So that's kind of and so being able to use that PowerPoint as a as a as a um, as a helper versus as a replacement is probably a big key to the success in PowerPoint or any other type of presentation for that matter, right? So. Yeah, you know, we I think we tend to forget sometimes content is king. No matter what you're doing, presentation, blog, video, speech, whatever, content is king, and creative 
is secondary to that. And so when you're creating your presentation, I recommend strongly stay in content mode until you're, you know, probably 80, 90% done, and then you can go back. Now, um, bullet point number two says don't create your creative yet. Don't create your creative yet. Stay in content mode. But, you know, sometimes people say, well, Mike, you know, I've got this, I have these great ideas and I have to write these creative ideas down. Well, sure, you do. Just don't go off Googling them when you're in your content mode. You know, as you're, cre- as you're creating your outline, let's say you got this great idea for, I don't know, a dog picture in your presentation. I don't know why, but let's say you do. So what happens? You abandon your presentation content and you run off to Google. And, then, and the next thing you know, you're crying on sad dog videos on YouTube an hour later and you've lost your entire content mode sure stay in content mode make notes you know make notes and say find the perfect dog picture and put it here and put that in your outline but stay in content mode until you're right, done sure sure yeah I, yeah that's very very good advice there that's perfect um so okay so uh what kind of creative uh, ideas do you kind of encourage people to do um because a lot of times folks will kind of stick strictly with you know going and and copying a uh, a picture off of Google Images or or something like that. So what what's your what what are some of the things that you kind of help people use their creative better or what ways that you help them create their creative better? Yeah, well, you know, for, first the course focuses on content as we're saying and the course walks you through the fastest way to get your content in and how to use PowerPoint to clarify your content, you know, to make it more sure. clear. Just as a quick aside, um I don't really cook too much, but I'll, I'll play one here. I'll play a chef here in our, our conversation. Right. In, in the, the world of cuisine, there, there's this idea of clarifying butter. And the idea is that, that chefs will, will find a way to remove all the excess water and stuff from butter and end up with just that golden yellow butter fat. Right. And that's what the, the clarifying process in our in our course does, is it helps you clarify your content, get it down to the butterfat using PowerPoint so that you give the audience only what they need and not a lot of extra junk. Yeah, sure. And then when it comes to creative, after you do that, the idea of creative is what the concept should be in the same thing as in the sports world where like, for example, like the Olympics – um, only the best athletes get into the Olympics. And I know in America we have a, a qualifying process where we say, you know what, you guys line up and duke it out and we'll pick the best ones to get into the Olympics. You know, it wouldn't be much fun, I don't think, Doug, if you and I were you know, playing basketball in the Olympics. It would kind of lower the standards you know, for the Olympics. Sure. Same thing with the presentation. Whatever you put in it, whatever you put in it for creative, it really needs to be only the best. So the course talks about how to qualify every piece of your creative so it only the best gets in there right. and it will help to enhance and, and amplify your content. So it's really important to just not get crazy with your creative. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Nice. Yeah. So, okay. So bullet point number one was to start outside of the PowerPoint presentation or your, or your, your, your magic, uh, your what is the silver bullets, right? You call these your silver bullets. So silver bullet yeah. number one was to kind of start outside the PowerPoint and then uh, and create your presentation first. Second is to stay away from the creative right now during the design process and put that in later. And when you do, mm-hmm. only focus on the things that are most important to getting the things across. So, so what's that third thing, the third silver bullet that 
you want people to kind of remember about PowerPoint? We've already talked about it, which is great, which is you're still in content mode, so stay big picture. Use the outline view. Nice. And now we've already talked about what a great tool that is. And by the way, um, it's such a great tool. I want to give your listeners a free lesson on that that we can talk about at the end of the course, at the end of our talk here. Oh, nice. Um, but it's so important and it's so useful for people. I want to make sure that your listeners get that. So bullet point number three, stay big picture, use outline view. And then at the end of our talk, they'll be able to get a free link to a lesson to learn how to do that. Oh, fantastic. Um, hey, just out of curiosity, I know this is a kind of a little off, off topic a little bit, but, but when, do, you ha- do you find people that get into that, that outline view and never really go back? You know, is that kind of the way that they end up creating their slides when it's all said and done? Or do you actually find most people go out and put, it, put back in a lot of creative afterwards? So just out of curiosity. I'm- yeah, good, good question. I have found that, and again, I want to stress here that there are many ways to use PowerPoint. There's, there are many ways. This is just the way that I've found that's the fastest way. And so once I teach people to right. create an outline, create an outline, take that into the outline view in PowerPoint, it gives them the safety, the structure, this framework. And then it's very easy after right. that to add your creative. You're not losing anything by starting with your outline, but you're gaining a lot. So Basically, everyone I've talked to, as far as I know, unless they're lying to me, once I show them how to use the outline view and have an outline, they always start with that. And then whether they're creating their own creative or maybe like they're, you know, they're a C-suite presenter and they have a team to do that, everybody's on sure. the same page. The content's in there. And it's solid and it's organized. Yeah, and hey guys, what Mike's talking about is so important uh, because it's it, that's one of those things that is um, critical in the design process because we, we find that a lot of mistakes that one of the one of the big mistakes anyway that folks make is they let somebody else design their PowerPoint slideshows. They say, "Here, this is the stuff that I want to cover. Here, go design it." What Mike's saying here is use that outline mode to come up with your content, then send it to marketing. Right? Is that what I'm hearing you say? Send that to the people who make the slides look pretty and all that kind of stuff? Did I hear that, that right? Is, that is correct, Doug. I, I work with um, with leaders and help them become world-class presenters. I do a lot of coaching. And just about every right. person I talk with, if I can sit down with them and say, listen, I'll show you this little secret and you can show off to, you, to your people that, that work for you how to create your presentation with just three keys, they get into it and they understand and they take more ownership of sure. their presentation that way. And all they have to do is they're just creating an outline. And the great thing is, is that they can just actually stand up and give a speech from that outline if they want, with or without PowerPoint. That's the great thing, all the content's in there. Then, like you're saying, if you got a team, God love you, you're, you're, God bless you, you're great. You've got a team to work with you to create your, your, your creative. You've got your notes in there. Find that perfect picture of a dog for me. It's in the notes, it's in your outline, and your team can go ahead and do that for you. Right. This, now, so at this point, you're going to get into a point where, where I usually get into actually when I'm when I'm teaching folks about speaking and and telling them to limit their 
their main ideas to just a few things, um, you're going to get those folks that say, well, Mike, 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 you don't understand the way I have to present in my company, though. We are data-driven. We need a lot of content. So, you know, so whatever it is, 5, 10 bullet points are not going to be nearly enough. We need 142. So how do you kind of coach them, and, and does it work? <laughs> yeah, you know, that, <laughs> that's that's always the biggest struggle for me. Uh, and I get it. I understand. We live in a world of data, and people want to show it off. People want to see it. But here's the thing. I want to appeal to presenters to, to have them understand that they that presenting is leadership. It's not just reporting. You are a leader, and the people in the audience are depending on you to take all that data and narrow it down to just that, that golden yellow butterfat. They're depending on you to do that. Right. So I always push back, and at first I say, do they really need to have all that? Right. And sometimes they say, Mike, they've got to have the whole deck. It's got to be 100 pages. And I say, you know what? Here, I'm going to save you so much time, and, and it's going to be so great for you. I say, you ready? Make your deck and email it. All right. Exactly. And then just cancel your presentation. There's no, there's no need for you to stand up there right. and read the whole deck. And then they say, well, i got to do the presentation. And I say, okay, well, then let's work on clarifying that data and getting just the best on the screen, and then you fill in the blanks. And then they say, well, look, okay, I, I get it, Mike. I'm willing to compromise, but they still need that stuff for later on. I say, well, that's great. We can compromise on this. Make your big deck and send it to them before the presentation, give it to them during the presentation or after, sure. depending on what kind of discussion you want to have. But never right. put your entire deck up on that screen. Again, multitasking is a mess, so right. it's, it's just simply not going to work. I, I, I Obviously, you can hear the passion in my voice because I have had this struggle for decades now with people, but usually they come around. They usually get it. And, and honestly, Doug, here, here's, here, here's the clincher. If you haven't tried this, with people that push back to you, just say to them, okay, listen, remember the last time that you were in the audience? What did you want to see on that screen? Exactly. And they're like, oh, yeah, you're right, Mike. You're right. I have to think about the audience here. Yeah. I, you know, an analogy I've used here a few times uh, for, for that this particular thing is, is, to, is for the data to be, you want to think of that as maybe your appendix, you know, at the end of the book. That you read, you know, if you're reading a non a nonfiction book, you've got uh, you've got the appendix that has all of the data. So if you want to go back and look at that data, you can, but you don't necessarily have to present that exactly. in the book itself, right? So, and that's kind of the way it, that analogy it, it, exactly. sometimes kind of clicks a little bit. So, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say that's that's a yeah. great analogy. And one of the one of the uh, things that I suggest people do is that hey, once you take this original slide deck that you have, make that into a handout. Give it to people as a handout, and then let's do something a little bit different for, you know, what you're actually going to say. And you know, sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. But anyway, so hey, okay, so um, I may have gotten you off track there, asking you a bunch of questions, but I think we were so you we covered four, and then you recovered it a little bit. What was your what's the fifth the uh, the fifth, um, you know, magic bullet point that you have here? Yeah, the fifth silver bullet is people always ask me, okay, Michael, give me a number. How many slides, how many words should be on a slide? And I used to teach that, and a lot of training right. do, do, does, but I I want to give the pre presenter more responsibility. You know, again, presenters are supposed to be leaders, 
Uh, I don't want them just following some rules for for just because I say so. So I say to them, I'm going to give you a one-word concept instead, and that's going to guide you. So number five, the bullet point is just one word, and it's simplify. Right. Simplify. Keep it simple, yep. You know, Albert, Albert Einstein has this great quote. He said, everything should be made as simple as possible, but no simpler. Sure. And I think that's brilliant. Brilliant. Make it as simple as possible, but don't make it any simpler. And that's that's the challenge, of course, in life, not to mention presentations. Sure. But if you start with that principle, I'm here to simplify for my audience, then it guides you about how many words or, or phrases should be on your slides. Yeah, perfect. That's, that is excellent. I'm going to use that if that's all right. That's a great quote. Fantastic. Um, You're welcome to use it. Yeah, good deal. Um, okay, so uh, you know, just so we don't get too far off track on on time, so let's let's move on to your your um, silver bullet number six. So, what's the the sixth thing that uh, that folks need to know about PowerPoint? So, if if you back up and look at the entire our entire set of seven silver bullet sure. points here, we begin with an outline. We've moved down to clarifying, to realizing that multitasking is a myth, and now we're moving down into simplifying things. So number six is I'm going to borrow something from the medical field, uh, something which is known as the Hippocratic Oath, which you might know. Uh, When it comes to creative, first, do no harm. First, do no harm. That's the first thing a doctor has to do is just don't hurt anybody. And it's the same thing with you in, cre- in your creative. Please just don't hurt your audience. Right. Um, creative th- are things like uh, – creative are things like – I teach seven of, them, seven of them in my course, and they're really the best ones to use. Um, I teach things like uh, themes and masters and charts and images and um, transitions and smart art and builds. And I tell people, whatever you do, make sure that you enhance or amplify your content with your creative. It should not distract people. People shouldn't say, well, that was pretty funny, but I don't get what it was there for. Everything should have a purpose in your presentation. And so make sure that you don't do harm. Make sure that everything in your presentation advances your content. Oh, fantastic. Hey, so, so far, everything that you've covered, everything everything that I've asked you about, all the answers that you've given have, have followed along pretty much 100% with um, with what I've found to be true entirely in, in my experience as a public speaking coach as well. So, so um, but this might be one where we kind of, diver- you know, kind of diverge a little bit. So what's your, um, what's your thought process on charts and graphs in the, in the, in the PowerPoint presentation or as visual aids? Do you like them or not like them or use them or use them a lot? Or do you find people overuse them, charts and graphs and stuff like that? Yeah, I'll be interested to hear what your take is. Yeah, sure. I love charts and graphs. You know, infographics, we're, we're in a golden age right now of great design for, for infographics and charts. We really are. Oh, yeah. Um, again, I would just go back to that simplify principle is don't, put too much on the screen it's your job to take that really really detailed chart that you get from your you know your data guys and simplify it down you know a general rule is is you should have like one major thought per slide so don't put too many points on your in your chart you know you may want to build that have one line come up talk about that then build the next one and so forth to me i love them i mean i i hate 
a lot of bullet points. So any way you can you can show things graphically, great. Just make sure they're as simple as possible. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's I think that's what, I, what do you what do you, what do you think? Oh, I think we're we're in line as well on this one. I, I think one of the real resistance that I've always had for charts and graphs in the PowerPoint slideshow is that a lot of times pe- people just make them too complicated. You can't really see what what the purpose of it is, right? So so I've always encouraged people to if you're if they have a really complicated chart or really complicated graph to make it into a handout and then use the handout as a visual aid in addition to the PowerPoint slideshow. But I, I like your advice though um, to you know to to be able to use that as a visual, just make the visual much more simple so that people can very easily kind of see what that graph is supposed to depict instead of trying to decipher, you know, little tiny numbers in a, mm-hmm. in a chart and graph and that kind of thing. So, yeah, perfect. I, I love it. Yeah, good advice there. Good advice. Yeah, I, I, I like, I like, I, I like you. I like your idea, Doug. That, that's a great idea because I love putting props if they're, if they help in, in a presentation. If you actually tell people to refer to a handout, you've broken that wall down between you and the audience. Sure. And it's, it's given them a chance to kind of get out of a stupor and have to pay attention. So that's also a great idea. Yeah. But anything to make it simpler for the audience. And again, and if they need that stuff, that's fine. But never just copy and paste that, that Excel complicated right. chart and just paste it into your, your PowerPoint presentation. Yeah, that's and it's a you'd be amazed. Well, you wouldn't because you see it every day. But I mean, most of the folks that are listening to the podcast would be amazed at the number of times that we give that little piece of advice to people and they resist it. And they say, oh, my gosh, you just don't understand. That's the way that we present at xyz company we we have to have lots of charts we have to have lots of graphs and that kind of thing and so it's a uh, one of those things that we get that i get a little resistance well, I, I, I totally agree doug i you know if, if someone were to say listen i'm a brand new powerpoint user i'm going to start presenting i had never done it before what would you tell me and i would say I, I got some bad news for you powerpoint is hated in fact i'm just sitting here i just typed in google as we're talking right. i typed in the words in google death by with the letter P. Now you would think the the, the number two uh, search uh, result is death by potassium cyanide. Number four is death by poison. Number five is death by paper cut. What's number one? What do you think? Death by PowerPoint. There you go. Death by PowerPoint. So you know everybody yeah. has a dysfunctional relationship with PowerPoint. You can't you can't wow an audience anymore with PowerPoint, and they're just simply not going to listen. They're just not going to listen. And so I really appeal, especially to the C-suite presenters, I say, listen, do you want to just get the job done or do you want to be effective? Do you want to lead? Then you have to find ways to simplify this for your audience. Yeah, and, and that answer that you just gave kind of leads us into something that you and I had a discussion on before, which was how the bar is set for presentations today. You don't have to be a fantastic presenter, right? That, that's a good point. Honestly, if your listeners just take what we've talked about here – today and take the, the two free lessons I'll give them and, and implement that, I can guarantee they're going to be in the top 10 percentile oh, yeah. of all presenters worldwide. Yeah. The, the, bar is, the bar is so low for success right now and for expectations that it's pretty easy. You don't have to be an expert. You just have to know the shortcuts, and that's what I show people in my course. Yeah, yeah, we laugh about that in our classes all the time. How we just say that you know most people think that they have to be a fantastic presenter to get up and and have lots of charisma and stuff like that. And no, you just have to be a little bit better than that last slub that got up to speak. And the bar <laughs> exactly. is pretty low. So, 
You know, you don't exactly. have to be fantastic. All right, so let's get to the last one. The last, um, the 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 last key point that you have here is uh, is number seven here. So, what's that last thing that the folks can do? Well, this this last one might be a bit of a surprise. I'll see what you think. But number seven is to practice yeah. as you build. Practice verbally as you build. Now, a lot of people never start practicing their presentation until they get up on stage or before you know as they're preparing in the past in the next few days before the presentation. Right. Uh, I recommend starting right from the get go, right from your outline. Now, it's going to sound horrible. Trust me, because I it's embarrassing as I hear myself do it. But you know what? Better to be embarrassed alone than up on stage later. You know what? What what's happening is you're building your relationship with PowerPoint right from the start. You and PowerPoint together are creating this presentation. So as you start working with yeah. the words that you're going to give, you can tailor the PowerPoint to be your partner in this duet. And by the time you get up on stage, man, you feel like you've got a partner you can trust. You know those slides, and you've been working together sure. with this partner from the beginning. And that gives you such confidence on stage. When you click that, that button on your remote, you know what's coming. It's your friend. It's PowerPoint's your friend because you've worked together so long. So practice from the very beginning verbally, and it pays off huge dividends when you get up there. Uh, you know, it's a very, very similar thing that I've kind of found with folks is that um, there, there are folks that get up to present and they'll say, you know, please hold all your questions till the end. And I always tell people that's a dumb thing to kind of tell your audience, because if somebody's confused right at the beginning and then you speak for 10 minutes or 15 minutes or 30 minutes or an hour more, <laughs> then that confusion is just going to exacerbate. Right. And I'm assuming that's kind of what you find with with uh, PowerPoint slideshows as well is that. That reason why you're having them practice in the beginning or as they go is that the further along they go, if they've done something that doesn't work really well, it's just going to exacerbate the rest of the the presentation, right? So. Yeah, and, and your you know your your point's a good one. You're asking presenters to work without wires by doing that, but I agree. I tell people, right. listen, listen. You can always say, "That's a great question. Can you hold that till the end?" If you don't want to answer, it? you know, you're in control. You're the leader of this thing. But yeah, it's, right. it's anything you can do to break that wall down. You know, people's attention spans are maybe ten, fifteen minutes these days. So anytime a person, you know, it's a great way for you to keep them engaged in the presentation too. We've been talking with Mike Veda. He's the creator of Presentable You, which which is a really effective online training program for people that want to get presentations. Mike also does personal coaching. He does coaching with with groups of people and for companies as as well. So 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 give us those. If you had to kind of sum all this up, what would be the the things that you want to cover for the for the folks here? So Mike. yeah, good 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 question, Doug. I would just say in a nutshell is remember that you're the the expert. And that PowerPoint is supposed to be your partner. It's yeah. a, it's supposed to be your you know your Robin to your Batman or whatever analogy you want. Never let PowerPoint have center stage in, in an audience's mind because it wasn't designed for that. So you take the role of being the leader, and then PowerPoint will fall in line if you know the shortcuts. And that's why I took the time to create this course because sure. it will it will help presenters find those shortcuts that PowerPoint just does not want to show you. But the PowerPoint will come into line if you've learned these shortcuts. So start with an outline outside of PowerPoint. When you get into PowerPoint, just make notes for your creative. Just hold off on those. Stay big picture. When you get into out, get into PowerPoint, use the outline view. 
Remember, audiences can either read or listen. They can't do both. So design your slides accordingly. Make sure you right. make sure you simplify everything, simple as possible. Number six, when it comes to creative, don't do any harm. Do no harm. Make sure that everything you put in reinforces and amplifies. And then number seven is as you're going, practice verbally because you create a great relationship with PowerPoint that way. Yeah, fantastic. All right, good. Well, Mike, thanks for being with us. Tell us a little bit about the about the the PowerPoint course that you that you offer to the to the general public and how do folks kind of find. You know, that? I've got I've got five kids, and this PowerPoint course could almost qualify as a sixth child. I've I've put everything of everything I've learned from my thirty years into this course, everything, and I've distilled everything down to just what presenters need to know to create effective presentations as fast as possible. It covers everything, but I teach it to do it in the shortest time possible. Every lesson is video, so there's hardly any reading to do. The lessons are short. Each lesson has a quiz and an assignment. And the great thing is that if you start at the beginning and you work your way to the end, you will have a finished effective PowerPoint presentation. It isn't just random lessons. You actually finish with the presentation. Nice. You can get onto the stage as soon as you're ready to go with it. So do you suggest folks kind of go through the, the course, you know, like uh, if they have a presentation coming up, just kind of start with lesson one, work all the way through, design that presentation, and then maybe go back and do it again on their next presentation, go back and do it again on their next presentation so they're really reinforcing that? Or is there a better way to kind of get all this in a in a in a in an easy format. Anyway. Yeah, that, that's a great question. The course will take the average person about six to eight hours, give or take, to, to work through. Um, I actually have a I actually have a sure. first course which is just about how to write presentations quickly. And so, if they haven't even begun their presentation and, and they got that that mental block, the first course walks you through a fill in the blank set of templates to create the perfect outline that then you can take right into nice. PowerPoint. But you don't have to do that. I recommend it, obviously. But if Fantastic. you've got your outline, you're pretty sure you know what to do, you can just jump into the PowerPoint course and create your PowerPoint presentation step by step. And as you're saying, that's the great thing about the online thing. They can re rewind that as many times as they want, watch it, pause it, use it over and over again. You know, there's a free trial and there's a money-back guarantee. So there's really, really zero risk in giving it a shot. Oh, fantastic! Okay, I'll, and I'll put I'll put the links to all of Mike's courses on on the show notes so that you can get access to any of those that that he has available. So, um, and but I I think you mentioned that you have some well you mentioned to me anyway that you have some some specials for the listeners so maybe some free trials and stuff like that. Yeah, I, mean, I do, uh, I do. I you know I I know what you teach and I know that the people that are listening are passionate about about presenting and so I want to I want to encourage that I want to foster that so. We're just in the pre-launch phase of Presentable You. It's just really this new version is just kind of up and running. So the course prices are pretty low as, as it is, but I'd be more than happy to offer your listeners a 10% discount in addition to what the course is already priced at. And on the handout, there's a little code you can type in, fearless, and then you get the free the 10% discount for that. And then secondly, um, I mentioned earlier uh, two really key things, and if Somebody had to kind of nail me to the wall and say, listen, what are the two most important things that you teach in your course? And without a doubt, it's how to create a presentation using three keys in outline view, and then how to use themes in PowerPoint. Those are the two top 
lessons that will save people the most time and give them the most effectiveness. So I've created two special reduced versions of those of those lessons that I have available on a private link for your listeners. And so all they have to do is just email me at presentableu.com. Nice. Sorry, presentableu at gmail.com, and I'll give them a link to those two. No cost, but man, they're really valuable. And so that's presentable, and then just the letter U, right? Presentable, letter U, at gmail.com? Exactly. Presentable U, just the letter U, at gmail.com. And it's, that, that's also in the bottom of the Good handout deal. as well. Good deal. Yeah. So yeah. So he's got that on the handout. We're actually not going to put that up on the show notes, so you'll have to download the, uh, the handout if you haven't already done so, and then that will be in there so you can see that just in case you you kind of miss it well mike thanks so much for for joining us um fantastic information very good very effective and very helpful to to folks and so i just want to thank you for for taking part in the in the uh, fearless presentations podcast no problem doug thanks for inviting me it's been a real privilege and anytime you want to grab a beer and talk more presentation stuff man i'm open to it (laughs) (laughs) absolutely man take it easy all right good deal great thanks man to this podcast for new public speaking secrets each week. 